Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. We need a brand new touch of fire. A brand new zeal. A brand new desire burning in our hearts. You may be seated. Praise God. There's three things that I'd like to talk about from this chapter this afternoon. Number one, I'd like to talk about a great call. Number two, I'd like to talk about a great refusal. Number three, I'd like to talk about a great price that had to be paid because of that refusal. There's a high cost to disobedience. I said there's a high cost to disobedience. It'll cost you to be disobedient. There's a high cost to slowfulness. There's a high cost to lukewarmness. God should have wished you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. There's a high cost to lukewarmness. There's a high cost to rebellion. There's somebody in this building today that's rebelling against your pastor. Your man of God, as Brother Smith talked about a while ago, there needs to be a praying through here today. Nobody needs to leave this camp meeting with rebellion in your life toward the man of God. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. So, first of all, there was a great call. And this call of the gospel is to everyone. The word come is used over 600 times in the Bible. God's trying to tell us something. God's trying to invite someone. When God says come, then it is to our advantage to come. Come if you're weary. And he said, I will give you rest. Come if you're thirsty. And he said, I will give you drink. Come if you're dirty. And God says, I'll cleanse your life. Come if you're defeated. And God says, I'll give you victory. Amen. No one has to leave this camp meeting feeling defeated, discouraged, and down and out. There's enough Holy Ghost in this house for everybody that's here today. Praise God, praise God. There's enough of the power of God here for everybody. Revelation 22, 17 says, the spirit says come. That's God. God is a spirit. The bride says come. That's the church, the bride of Christ. So God's saying come. His church is saying come. He that heareth come. He that is a thirst come. And drink of the water of life freely. Jesus said in Matthew 11, he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Thank God we accepted that invitation. There are people in this building today that when God calls you, you were not calling. Some that here would have been probably classified as problem drinkers. Some people sitting on these beautiful pews this afternoon. When God called you, you were a drug addict. There are people here today, when God called you, you were bound by tobacco. Amen. You found a better way to get on fire. Glory to God. Thank God there's a better way to get on fire. Praise God. I'm glad we serve a God today that can deliver us from drugs alcohol, tobacco, immorality, cursing, profanity, swearing. Old time Pentecost, they preach against lying, they preach against cheating, they preach against stealing, they preach against adultery, they preach against fornication, hallelujah, and I still believe it. Praise God, praise God, praise God. How many's got the Holy Ghost and you're happy about it? All oh, us praise the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I'm glad all of you awake. I wondered after that delicious lunch that Brother Holmes and the church served, if uh, most of you would be awake, 
because you know after you eat it's nap time for some folks but everybody seems to be wide awake I, well maybe I shouldn't say everybody but most of you seem to be wide awake and uh, I make the same deal with you I make at our church at home I won't preach in your bed if you won't sleep in my pews praise God hallelujah I believe it's time to have church I believe it's time to have revival. I said it's time to have revival. It's time to sing. It's time to shout. It's time to testify. It's time to talk in tongues. It's time to run the aisles. It's time to leap for joy. It's time to magnify God. Praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. I want revival, don't you? In the midst of the years, revive us again. Revive us again. Revive us again. Holy Ghost, revive us again. Every one of us ought to leave this camp meeting and go home and become a soul winner and fill up a pew and fill up a bus. I fill up a van. I fill up the church building. Come on, somebody. Praise God. Praise God. This is no time to become slack or lukewarm or indifferent. It's a time to pull out all the stops and say it's now or never. We've got to have apostolic revival, apostolic praying, apostolic worship, apostolic singing. Come on, it's revival in North Little Rock. It's revival in your town. It's revival in your community. It's revival in your church. It's revival time. Glory. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated for a moment. Number one, I want to deal with this quickly. God calls. And I'm talking this afternoon about the call. And God calls, number one, through preaching. I'm glad that God calls through preaching. God's not interested in some little speech from a so-called preacher in the pulpit. God's not interested in just a little homiletical discourse. God's not interested in a preacher pulling a stool out here on the platform and sitting down and giving you a little, a little speech about some immaterial subject. Amen. A lot of modern day preachers are getting them a stool. They're sitting down. They're wearing blue jeans. I saw a picture in a magazine of one of America's quote-unquote leading preachers. He was sitting on a stool. Lots of people were there. He had blue jeans on, and they were real faded in the front. Looked like they's worn out. We, we wore them because we had to. They wear them that way now because they want to. But I believe when you come to church, you ought to look like you're going to church. All right. I said there's a dumbing down of religion in America. There's a dumbing down of religion in the church. But may God's people rise up in the power of the Spirit. Maybe seated. I don't want to go to the church where the preacher's sitting out on a little bar stool or some kind of stool. Got his blue jeans and tennis shoes on. Got his shirt on. It's about unbuttoned about halfway down. 
Amen. I don't want my young people to go to a youth meeting where there's a lot of rock music and rap music and worldly music. Somebody said, that's what it takes to reach young people. I tell you, when you do that, you're going to reach worldly young people and sinful young people and carnal young people. And the whole church, it's going down. Hallelujah. Before somebody, before God sends somebody to set our barley fields on fire, we need to rise up and say, it's not going to happen on my watch. It's not going to happen in this church. It's not going to happen in my family. It's not going to happen in my home. Glory. Somebody clap your hands with me and praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I'm got a little dry up here and need a little water. I'll probably be the first windmill you've ever seen run the water. Praise God. But uh, they should get a little something to drink now and then. But I want to tell you that God calls us to preaching. We need old-fashioned preaching. You can say amen on me, but once in a while, we need some hellfire and brimstone preaching. <laughs> Hallelujah. Not every service, but our people need to know, if you're not right with God, you're going to be lost forever. We need preachers that are flaming evangels with the power of God upon them. Praise God. So God calls through preaching. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save him that believed. Paul didn't say foolish preaching. He said what the world calls foolishness is preaching. And it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The Bible said faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to have the word of God to be saved. Thank God for the choir. Thank God for the music. I love it all. Thank God for singers. But I'm telling you, friend, it takes the word of God to save us. Somebody told me a while back, said, you know, I would like to go to a church where they just shouted the house down every service and there was no preaching. I said, really? You want to go where there's no preaching? After a while, your shouting is going to become empty and nothingness. It'll have no substance or foundation to it. I believe in shouting. God help us if the day we quit shouting. God help us the day we get embarrassed by shouting. You bring a guest to church, don't wish they wouldn't shout. Amen. Pray that the power of God will fall in that place. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. There is no substitute for the power of God and for the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for preaching. Everybody say amen. amen. The way I feel about it, in preaching, if God didn't call me to fill the building. But he called me to fill the pulpit. Now, don't think for a moment that I'm against soul winning. I'm for soul winning. We get right with God. We're going to do some of it. But in the first place, God called a preacher not just to fill the building, but to fill the pulpit. To preach the word, to be instant in season, out of season, to reprove, to rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. He said the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own te teachers shall they heap to themselves teachers having itch in ears, and they shall be turned away from the truth, and they'll be turned into fables. That's the generation we're living in. Amen. Somebody said, preach it easy. 
Preach it where it don't offend anybody. Preach it where it don't hurt anybody. I'm going to tell you, that kind of preaching won't save anybody either. Nobody gets under conviction. Nobody prays through. Nobody gets right with God. Somebody shout amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're saved by preaching. We become established in the church by preaching. We become saints of God through preaching. We become rapture-ready saints through preaching. We become a blessing to ourselves and others through preaching. Thank God for preaching. Amen. I said, thank God for preaching. You that don't like preaching, I'm ringing your phone. Pick it up and answer it right now. Praise God. You're not going to be saved without a preacher. You can't make heaven without a preacher. God, give us bold, fearless preachers that'll come to the pulpit and preach the Word of God without fear, without favor, without compromise. Forget about the crowd. Forget about the money. Just preach the Word. Just preach the Word. Just preach the Word. Oh, I feel the presence of God in the house. Let's praise the Lord right now. Hallelujah. You may be seated. If you go to heaven, you're going to have the fingerprints of a man of God on your life. Somebody said, well, so-and-so went to church and they got saved. And they came out the door and they got saved. Amen. My question is, was their head wet and were they talking in tongues? If their head wasn't wet and they wasn't talking in tongues, they didn't get saved. Because when you get saved, you'll get baptized in Jesus' name and you'll speak with other tongues. Praise God, praise God. It's more to it than walking the aisle and joining the church and signing the card and shaking hands with the preacher. Praise God. You must be born again of water and of the Spirit. Somebody rejoice with me today. Oh, praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. i got to move quickly. Number two, not only does God call by preaching, but he calls through the power of the Holy Ghost, through the Spirit of God. No man comes to God except the Spirit draw him. That's why we can't afford to have dead church. That's why we can't afford to have cold, lifeless church. No man comes to God except the Spirit draw him. Let me ask you the question, is there enough Spirit moving in your church to call somebody? Sometimes we blame it on the fact that people don't want God anymore when if we turn the spotlight on ourselves, we might find out part of the problem. Hallelujah. If they can't feel God and they can't see a demonstration of God's power, then what's going to make them want to become apostolic? Glory to God. And I know that everybody doesn't act the same way. Everybody doesn't do the same thing. We're not all just cookie-cutter Christians, our spiritual robots. I'm going to tell you, I don't care if you're from the north or the south. When the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, something's going to happen. I preached a revival one time, and I'll say it was in a northern state. It was somewhere in the north, wherever that is. But I went there to preach a revival. And the preacher told me the first day, he said, now, let me tell you something. He said, I was an evangelist then. He said, we don't want any crying in this church. We don't want any jumping in this church. He said, I know you Southern boys, and I know how you act. He said, I don't want any shouting in this church. 
I don't want anybody boohooing in the altar in this church. And I said, uh, really? He said, yeah. He, he said, we don't believe in that here. He said, don't forget you're in the north now. I said, well, you know what? In the south, if I sit down on a straight pen, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump up and say, ouch. And I said, you northerners, what do y'all do when you sit down on a straight pen? Oh, my goodness, something seems to be pricking my behind. Amen. I said, no, sir, you northerners sit down on a straight pin, you'll jump up just like I will. I said, let me tell you. You may be seated. I promise you, I went 14 straight nights. We never took a night off in those days. We went 14 straight nights, plus two Sunday mornings. I never got one amen in 16 services. Not one. Not even from the pastor. Not one. That man's still living. And I'm not going to tell you his name. He's not pastoring anymore. I went 14 nights and two Sunday mornings. Not one amen. Revival's over, and I went on somewhere else. Facts matter, it wasn't but two months till I was here in Little Rock and preached for Bishop A.O. Holmes down at 2nd Buckeye Street. Amen. I'm going to tell you, friend, it was as much difference in that church as 2nd Buckeye as daylight is from dark. Amen. That was in 1960. That's been several days ago. Praise God. And you know, I just want to stop here for a minute and say, uh, preachers talking about 30 years old getting a burnout. 40 years old getting burned out. My God in heaven, what's wrong? What's wrong with you young preachers? You got to get burnt out. I've been preaching. I've been preaching 54 years, been pastoring over 50 years, and I've never felt more like having revival in all of my life. This is no time to burn out. It's no time to stagnate. It's no time to quit. It's time to go on. Glory. Come on, somebody. Praise God with me today. Come on, preacher. If you're about to burn out, lift your hands and say, God, I want the fire. I want the anointing. I want the fresh oil. I want the power of God. I want the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. You may be seated. A little while later, that's a year later, I got a letter. No cell phones then, no texting, just a letter. And he said, Dear Brother Johnny, call me by my first name. That's all right. I was 20 years old. I was an evangelist. Praise God. You've been there. Oh, yeah. Amen. But uh, I was 20 years old. He wrote, and I was almost 21 now. He wrote me another letter. He said, Dear Brother Johnny, he said, The people are asking me if I get you back for revival. He never said a word about himself. He didn't want me back. I knew it. But he said, the people are asking if you'd come back. And I wrote him back a letter, and I said, for the people's sake, I'll come. <laughs> Praise God. Went back and had two weeks revival. During that two weeks revival, I got about five or six total amens in the whole week. In, in two weeks, I got about five amens. Nobody got the Holy Ghost. A year later... I was almost 22, wrote me a letter and said, Dear Brother Johnny, the people are wondering if you'd come back and preach us another revival. And I wrote back just one paragraph. I said, for the people's sake, I'll come, and this time we're going to quit playing church. If you want me, we're going to have revival. You may be seated. Praise God. I started preaching faith and preaching revival from the very first service. And before the revival's over, 16 people got the Holy Ghost. 10 were baptized in Jesus' name. 
Glory. You may be seated. The preacher prayed through, and I promise you before God, on the last night, the preacher was laying prostrate on the floor, crying, weeping, talking in tongues. Hallelujah. We got to have power in the pulpit and action in the pew. We've got to have power in the pulpit and action in the pew. And so no man comes to God except the Spirit draw him. Genesis 6 and 3, my spirit will not always strive with man. We need old-fashioned conviction that'll cause people to repent of sins. You preach a charismatic sermon, nobody wants to repent. You preach a light, fluffy, cotton candy charismatic <coughs> sermon, nobody wants to seek God. We need some conviction. We need some old-fashioned power. We need people coming to our altars again, praying through. Hallelujah. We need parents that'll pray for their children until their children are filled with the Holy Ghost. We need revival in the family. We need revival in the home. I heard an old preacher one time. He said, he said this, he said, all of my growing up years, he said, my mother wouldn't let me be lost. And I thought, what does he mean by that? He said, my earliest remembrance in my life is my mother holding her, holding me close to her. And she wasn't saying, God, make him a doctor, a lawyer, or a skilled professional. She was saying, oh, God, save my boy. Oh, God, save my boy. Don't let my boy be lost. He said, brother, she prayed that when I was born. She prayed it when I was two, three, four, five, ten, twelve. When I was a teenager, other teenagers and things around, she'd pull me over and pray before I, before I left and said, oh, God, save my boy. He said, man, I, I didn't hardly have a chance to go to hell. <laughs> he said, I had a praying mama that kept me at the altar. Thank God for praying mamas. Thank God for praying daddies. Amen. Next thing I want to talk about is the great refusal. Joab said, I can't come, but the king's calling. But I can't come, but the king wants you. But I can't come. Why can't you come? I'm too busy. I've got a barley field to take care of. I've got things to do. I'm not coming. Some people don't have time for God. I'm talking about Christian people. Some Christian people have very little time for God. Some apostolics are getting less and less time for God on their schedule. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some individuals in the church don't have time to be faithful. They don't have time to win a soul. They don't have time to pass out a tract. They don't have time to pass out a card. They don't have time to teach a Bible study. They don't have time to do anything spiritual. I'm telling you, friend, when the king calls, it's time to respond. Several years ago, Several years ago, there was a preacher from another state. I heard him preach. I was there in the, in the congregation when he was preaching. And he said, I tried to get a young couple in the church, in our church involved in teaching Sunday school. They said, Pastor, we'd like to, but we don't have time. And he said, I tried to get them to teach a Bible study. And they said, Pastor, we'd like to, but we just don't have the time. Uh, they, they tried to, uh, the pastor tried to get them to do other things. They were members of the church. And he said, you know, uh, I work hard all week long, and on Saturday is my fishing day. Saturday is the day in the fall of the year when I go hunting. And he said, other days I've got other things to do. I don't have time to teach a Sunday school class. I don't have time to study the lesson. But he said, so help me God, this couple had one child. She was a nine-year-old girl. She was riding her bicycle down the street and got run over by a car and was instantly killed. And I heard the preacher say these words, that the young man stood at the, at the gravesite of his nine-year-old child, his only child. Amen. And he said, uh, pastor, he said, do you still need a Sunday school teacher? 
Pastor, do you still need a worker? He said, I've been thinking for years. I didn't have time. But he said, I'm telling you, I've got some time and I want to get involved. I don't want God to have to burn my barley field down to get me busy. I said, I don't want God to have to burn my barley field down before I get busy. Let's get busy. Let's do something for God's name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to God. And he told his pastor a few days later, a few months later, he said, Pastor, I didn't think I had time on Saturday for anything. But he said, every Saturday since my nine-year-old has been gone, my wife and I go get some flowers. We take them to the cemetery. And we put them on the cemetery where my daughter's buried. And he said, we've stood there and we cried and we wept. And we prayed. He said, Pastor, now then, my nine-year-old's gone. But he said, I want you to know. He said, I, it, it's woke me up. Anything you need me to do from now on, just let me know. Anything I can do to help you, just let me know. Praise God. God knows how to make men pray. Hear me. I said, God knows how to get us on our knees. Even as apostolic, God knows how to get us on our knees. God knows how to get us praying. Amen. Jonah refused to obey God. God said, go to Nineveh. He bought a ticket to Tarsus. A lady said to a friend of mine one time, she said, wasn't that a miracle? And he said, what? He said, that Jonah got swallowed by a whale. And the man answered her and said, no, that the fact that the whale swallowed him wasn't a miracle. The fact that he got out of there was a miracle. He said, that's the miracle. The fact that he got out of there. But brother, when he got out, he was ready to go full time, full speed ahead. Hallelujah. He said, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do the will of God. You know what he says? He said, I'll pay my time. Old Jonah, when he, when he got his degree from uh, Whale Seminary, he was ready to go do the will of God. First thing he did, he said, I want to catch up on my tithes. I want to pay my tithes. I'm going to pay my vow. He said, I'm going to pay my tithes. Hallelujah. He said, I'm not going to pay them if the car payments due. I'm going to pay them anyhow. Let me paraphrase. I'm not going to pay them if, uh, if, the, if the house rent due. I'm going to pay my tithes anyhow. I'm, I'm going to pay my tithes. I don't care what happens. Hallelujah. That's what the Holy Ghost will do for you, brother. It'll cause you to pay your tithes. It'll cause you to give in the offering. It'll cause you to bless a missionary. It'll cause you to have a burden for missions. Somebody clap your hands, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Moses. Moses tried to disobey God. He said, I can't talk good. I can't talk plain. I'm a stuttering man. I can't go. But God called him. Hallelujah. When God calls you, don't be reluctant. Don't be hesitant. But go and do the bidding of God. Let me ask you in this building today, individually, nobody raise your hand, nobody turn and look at anybody else. When are you and I going to let God totally use us for his glory. Answer that in your own heart. When are we going to let God use us? Amen. I pulled up by, by a tent revival one night years and years ago. I didn't get out of my car. Don't even know the preacher's name. He was about ready to give an altar call, but here's what I heard him say. He said there was a rich farmer in northeast Arkansas the state that we're in tonight. And he said he had one child. And he said that little girl would get up on his lap every week and say, Daddy, would you please go to church with me? He'd say, no, baby, I don't have time. 
uh, there's, uh, there's thousands of acres of land that I've got to look after, and I don't have time. The story went, as the man told it, that the girl died suddenly with some strange disease. They still didn't know what it was. And uh, the preacher that preached his funeral said at the funeral that he held up his billfold right in front of about four or five hundred people. He got his billfold out. He's a multi-millionaire. And he said so that everybody could hear him, he said, God, if you'll let me have my baby back, he said, I'll give you every dime I've got. I'll give you all the land I've got. I'll give you everything I've got. If you'll just bring my baby back. Brother, listen, God knows how to get us to pray. God knows how to set our barley fields on fire. I heard a preacher say that he was in prison preaching to some prisoners. There was a man told him one night after he'd been there for several months, Preacher, I want to talk to you. He said that man prayed that night and received the Holy Ghost. And after the meeting was over, in the prison, inside, he said, Preacher, I want to talk to you. He said, okay. They stepped aside. He said, I'm 54 years old. He said, God called me to live for him when I was 20. But he said, when I was 22, my baby died in my arms. And he said, at that moment, I cursed God. And I said, I don't want nothing to do with God. And for 32 years, I haven't wanted anything to do with God. But he said, your preaching and the moving of the Spirit has brought me back in alignment with the fact that I need God. And I need to pray. I'm going to tell you, friend, God can set your barley fields on fire. Let's worship the Lord right now. The last thing I'll talk about in closing is it's a great price to pay. There was number one, there was a great call. Secondly, there was a great refusal. And thirdly, there's a great price to pay. Absalom told his servants, go the third time and Joab's going to be shining his sword. He's going to be admiring those barley fields. He's going to be proud of what he's got. But he said, when you go back the third time, don't you let him insult the king's invitation. Don't you let him insult the king. Don't you let him say no. We're not going to give him another chance. When you go this time, there's one thing he likes better than everything else, and that's his barley fields. When you go back the third time, set his barley fields on fire. When his barley fields get on fire, he'll come. He'll come running. Servants, you take the torch. You set his fields on fire. And then he'll come running. And when the servants of Absalom set the barley fields on fire, Joab was quick to come. Some of us may pray when it's too late. Some of us may want to work for God when we're no longer able to. Brother, let's do what we can now. Let's do what we can now. Let's do what we can do now. Somebody shout now. So Joab went to Absalom and he said, Why'd you set my barley fields on fire? And Absalom said, I'll tell you, sir, we called you once to go see the king. And we called you twice. But we're not going to call you. Now then, it's going to cost you the thing you love the most. It's going to cost you your barley fields. Ministers all over this house keep trying to send men to the king before they have to face judgment. Every time your pastor preaches Sunday morning, Sunday night, or Wednesday, whenever you have church, you know what he's doing? He's trying to get you to go to the king so that you won't have to be judged. Lost. Hallelujah. Your pastor's trying to get you acquainted with the king. But if you don't go, it's going to cost you your barley fields. It's going to cost everything. Somebody said, well, Brother Goder, I couldn't do it. I couldn't read the Bible through in one year. Let me, let me give you a true story. I'm reading this, a true story. It shows the man's picture. A man by the name of William McPherson. Dynamite went off in his face. He lost his eyes. He lost his hands. He lost the feeling of most of his face. 
But William McPherson realized how much the Bible meant to him and he needed the strength of that book and he could not read it in braille because of his artificial hands. He tried to place his lips on the dots, but they were numb. He found that he could use his tongue to decipher the moon-type system of dashes. But when he did, the metal, the metal left his lips and tongue bleeding and very sore. But he prayed and said, God, please help me. He has no eyes. He can't see. His hands are gone. But he said, help me to read this Bible through this moon-type system of putting his tongue on the, on the spot and on the dashes. Amen. He said, God, I want to read the Bible through. And in the next 65 years, William McPherson read the Bible through from Genesis to Revelation six complete times with his tongue. If William McPherson can read the Bible with his tongue, you and I can read it with our eyes. Pick it up with our hands. Come on. Are you a Bible reader? Do you read the Word of God? Do you pray? Do you fast? Do you worship? Are you seeking God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of us will pray, Lord, use me. Lord, use me. But uh, please don't ask me to go in the nursery. I don't like crying babies. Lord, please use me. But don't ask me to go to a rest home. I can't work well with old people. Oh, God, please use me. But don't ask me to go on the campus. I can't communicate with this college crowd. Oh, God, please use me. But don't ask me to go on visitation. I don't have the time. Oh, God, please use me. Don't ask me to teach a home Bible study 10 weeks. There's no way I could do that. Oh, God, please use me. But not to clean up the church. I'm busy cleaning up my own house. Oh, God, please use me. But not as a Sunday school teacher. I'm around kids all week. Let someone else have them on the weekend. Oh, God, please use me, but not in the prison. No, no way, God, could I relate to those people. Where and when are you going to let God use you? Everybody can't do everything, but everybody can do something. Everybody in the church can do something. Some people could run a band. Some people could run a bus. Some people could teach a Bible study. Others could pass out tracts. Others could pass out church cards. Others could uh, uh, go knock on doors. Others could do other things. Amen. We can't all do everything, but I'm telling you that all of us ought to be doing something for God's name and God's cause and God's kingdom. We're not careful, we get real selfish. I read a poem the other day, and it was entitled, A Tea Party for Me. It had nothing to do with politics. A tea party for me. And here's what, it's, what it said. I had a little tea party this afternoon at three. It was very small, three guests at all. Just I, myself, and me. Myself ate all the sandwiches while I drank up the tea. Twas also I who ate the pie and passed the cake to me. Selfishness. Is there any selfishness in Pentecost? Is there any selfishness in the apostolic church? I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm here to stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. It's time to have church. It's time to have revival. Praise God. Praise God. My daddy was quite a good preacher. He was my hero. He died seven years ago, pastored in Missouri a long time, and he had a lot of things to say. And he, he read a little poem one time, and he said, talking about a man, he said uh, he wasn't much for stirring about. It wasn't his desire. No matter what the others did, he was sitting by the fire. Same old story day by day. He never seemed to tire. But while others worked to build their church, he was sitting by the fire. At last he died, as all must do. Some say he went up higher. But if he's doing what he always did, he's sitting by the fire. I don't want to be sitting by the fire. 
but I want enough Holy Ghost fire to get me out of this world. Musicians, please come as I close. I heard a story of a preacher, a true story from the state of Georgia. Heard this story of a man on tape. He was preaching. He lived in the state of Georgia and pastored there. And uh, he said that uh, he had a man by the name of Roy in his church in the state of Georgia. Roy had a five-year-old boy, his only child. His name was Sonny. Roy was the daddy and Sonny was the child. This boy, Sonny, loved preachers. Little old boy, five years old. Every time a visiting preacher would come, he'd go up, little old man with a tie on and a, and a coat on, he'd shake his hand. I'm Sonny. He loved preachers. He loved evangelists. He loved church. He loved Sunday school. But Roy got mad at the pastor and quit going to church. True story. Roy got mad at the preacher and said, I'm not going to church there anymore. I don't like how the preacher treated me and what he said, and I don't like him. There came a time the pastor said, I was up in Kentucky preaching a revival, and it was about 2 o'clock in the morning, and the phone in my motel rang, and I thought, who in the world would be calling me at 2 in the morning? And it was the pastor of that local church in Georgia, and he said, to me, he said, brother, he called his name. He said, little Sonny got killed today. And he said, I wondered, I wondered if you'd come back and preach his funeral. We know you're having revival in Kentucky, but we're wondering if you'd come back. Roy wants you to preach Sonny's funeral. And he said, so I got in my car, called the pastor, told him I had to go home. An hour later, I was on the road driving back to Georgia. And he said, as soon as I got there, I went to their house. I walked in and I talked to Roy and his wife a little while and I said, Roy, tell me what happened. And, and Roy said, well, Sonny, you know, that's my little boy. He said, Sonny came out to me and I sat on the front porch and he said, Daddy, would you come and play ball with me in the yard? He said, no, I won't. I don't have time to play ball. I'm tired. I've been working all day. The little boy said, Daddy. Really, would you come out and throw me the ball? He said, Sonny, I ain't got time to do that. And he said, Daddy, I don't really care if you play ball with me at all. That's not my point. Five years old. He said, I'd just like for you to promise me that you'd start going back to church. Because Roy quit church because the preacher didn't please him. And so the man got angry. At Sonny, and he said, Sonny, I'll buy your clothes. I'll send your mother. She'll take you to church. But that preacher hurt me, and I'm not going back to that church. And Sonny said, Daddy, you don't have to go in with the big folks and hear the pastor preach. Why don't you just come in my class? We got about six, seven kids in there. Why don't you just come in my class? And he said, uh, he said, I was thinking about that preacher. And he said, uh, I was sitting the next day on the front porch and said, I threw the ball out to Sonny and Sonny threw it out in the yard and it went across the road. And when he started to cross the road, two young teenage boys were drinking and they were driving 85 miles an hour. They hit my little boy and it threw him 35 feet in the air. And he said, I screamed and I said, Sonny. He said, I run out there. And I picked up my little boy. He was bleeding out of his eyes and his ears and his nose and his mouth. He was choking to death on his own blood. True story. I heard the preacher tell it. He said, I held Sonny up in my arms. And I said, son, what can I do for you? He looked up at me with his voice choking. He said, daddy, just promise me that you'll go to church And he said, after the funeral, the preacher, I heard the preacher tell it. He said, after the funeral, everybody else had left, got their cars and gone. And he said, I, I, I hung around. He said, I stayed around out at the cemetery. And he said, I saw Roy go over there where they just buried Sonny. And he said, I saw him kneel down. And he said, I was out behind a tree where he couldn't hear me. Where I couldn't hear him. He, he couldn't see me or hear me. And Roy was saying, Lord, 
He started singing this song, Lord, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be what you want me to be. And he said that following Sunday, Roy came to Sunday school. And he said when he came to Sunday school, he went straight to the kiddies' church, the five-year-old class. He got in that five-year-old class, and the teacher knew what had happened. And she said, Roy, right there's the chair where Sunday said he messed with me. That's the chair. That's where Sunday said every week and requested prayer for his daddy to be saved. He said, uh, would you sit in that chair? He said, yeah, I will. And Roy sat down in that chair. It was way too small. He was kind of hanging over both sides. He couldn't fit in the chair. But Roy said he sat there and heard the teacher with about six or seven little kids. And he said when Sunday school was over and they started morning worship, the pastor said, Roy came out of the Sunday school class and he didn't even wait for an invitation. Walked down the aisle, lifted his hands and said, God, I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I wonder if there's somebody here this afternoon that God's going to have to set your barley fields on fire to get your attention. I want you to please stand with me right now. This is not a revival meeting. This is not for a local church. But this is an invitation for people from anywhere, everywhere that would like to pray. If you need to repent, today's a good day to do it. There's somebody sitting in this audience may be backslidden. Today's a good day to pray through and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Today's a good day if you've never had the Holy Ghost to be filled. If you've never gone to work in God's vineyard, it's time to walk down this aisle and say, God, I'll go where you want me to go and I'll be what you want me to be. Let's all pray. Let's turn this auditorium into a prayer room. Come on, everybody can come if you'd like. Preachers, preachers' wives, preachers' families, saints of God, young people. Don't wait for your barley fields to be on fire. Somebody today is going to say, I'll run that bus, I'll drive that van, I'll clean that church, I'll give out that church card, I'll hand out that track, I'll go on visitation, I'll do something, I'll do something.